Welcome back, everybody, to the TKW Podcast. Uh, we're your hosts. I'm Anthony Corbo. I'm Carl Maggio. And we're joined today by the wonderful Barely Carlin, TKW site writer. How's What's up, man? Uh, it's pretty good. It's it's a good week. We've got a... Uh, got, uh, we're at 500. Big wins in the bag. I'm excited about them. I think four and one in the last five. Yeah. Yep. Good good times. I don't know. We got to really celebrate this now because we don't know with this team and we don't know if uh we don't we don't know if we're going to get another opportunity at this throughout the season. We might. <laughs> we very well might and I'm hoping that we will, but uh, 500 feels good. Never felt better. Never felt better. Never oh, 2012 13 felt better, <laughs> but I'll take this for now. Anyway, so I think there was a lot that kind of led up to us getting to this 500 record. Uh, because it's been kind of a eventful weekend for the team. There was a couple of some locker room stuff going on, some team meetings, some fill, some uh, some action going on. But it seems to have paid off a little bit. Um, I know that Brandon Jennings had a bit of a he kind of went off on a couple of guys in the locker room after the Wizards game. Said that no one's trying hard enough after they get away from home, um, which is pretty evident by that game. And then we saw. Apparently, there are weekly mindfulness sessions uh, with the Knicks. Phil hosts a 20-minute mindfulness session, which doesn't really surprise me. But um, that turned into a whole big team meeting where guys were chipping in. Hornacek said everyone except for some of the foreign guys were really uh, chiming in. And it led to two big wins. Um, Is this kind of a – has this team been revitalized a little bit, or are we just kind of seeing some kind of quick energy thing and we're going to be right back in the same position next week? I think a little of both. Yeah. I think a little of both because you have to consider at least the context of what's happened the last couple of games. Uh, two big things that stuck out to me. One, obviously, Bailey touched on today with his piece that we're going to get to shortly. But uh, part one is Derek Rose hasn't played like a dumpster fire. And part yep. two is we've seen a lot more of the young guys, not just KP being at the five, but we've seen more. You know, Billy, we see more of Kuz, you know, guys that kind of we believed in that can make an immediate impact when they were on the court. But, um, and they've done that in Joe Kim Noah's absence. So mm-hmm. I think as a whole, it's a, it's a little more free flowing. It's a little more evident in the ball movement. Brandon Jennings getting 11 assists in like two and a half minutes as soon as he stepped on the court. <laughs> So it, it's little things like that, you know, Derrick Rose being a little bit more efficient. I mean, even the garbage time game with the Wizards. I mean, he ended up having, I think, a 23-point game. And most of it came, like, in the fourth quarter, end of the third, when it was kind of, you know, we knew the the outcome of that game already. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say where any of us are wrong about Derrick Rose, but I think just not being as bad, like something we've hit on a lot, just not being the worst guard in the league by almost every measure is going to help this team. That's it. And he's done that. So, okay. So let's kind of, cause I saw you were getting a little, little backlash on Twitter about uh, Derek Rose earlier today. Always. Always. Uh, wh- so where do we stand? Like we see, you know, the arguments are he's played pretty well the last couple of games. Um, and he's shown that he's able to play well with Brandon Jennings playing well as, as well. So that's going to be that's really beneficial for a Knicks team that hasn't seen any point guard play in several years. Um, but you know we're saying it's two games or three games or whatever it is, and the whole of the season isn't looking too good. Is he on the upswing, or is he, or are we just kind of seeing a good performance from him, and then something's going to happen? Well, I, I hope he's on the upswing. I hope he's getting there. Um, I don't necessarily think that's true. I mean, he's a talented player. No one could ever deny that. His IQ is whatever the opposite of through the roof is, through the floor, his basketball IQ, that hasn't, <laughs> that hasn't changed. Um, but I think a lot of what we've seen is him and Brandon Jennings both playing well. Like, Brandon Jennings has been the facilitator. 
he's had a 10 assist game an 11 assist game and a seven assist game. So he, when he's able to be the facilitator and Derek Rose is able to be a little bit more of a scorer, I think that works out well, but I mean, he's still Derek Rose. He's still, can't really dribble the ball without looking at it, honestly. Like, if you watch him play, his IQ hasn't changed over the last three games, but he does look more comfortable on the court, and I think there's something to be said. I mean, he did miss the entire preseason, basically, so it's not surprising that it took him a little bit. I don't think he's going to be a star on this team, not that he needs to be, but I think he's he's trending upwards, but I think he's also going to top out pretty soon as well. Well, I, I was trying to make the point earlier, basically. I think this is kind of to a couple of my other friends, that this is kind of his ceiling, I think, for this team, for this situation. What we saw last night, I think, is sort of the best outcome we could expect going forward for the rest of the season because he had 18 points. He was fairly efficient. I think he shot a little bit over 50%, 8 of 15. Um, you know, obviously, he was making some crazy shots, the layups, but then he didn't really have any turnovers, I don't think. I, I think there's only one to go with five assists, uh, f- five rebounds, or four rebounds. It's... It's just not being inefficient, being a passable defender, and sometimes making the right play. And that's going to help us, you know, just based off the fact we've had no guard play over the last couple of years. And when it works like it did last night, that's huge. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm definitely going to put something into these meetings and the and Brandon Jennings talking to the team and, uh, and everything like that. I think that all these guys are kind of starting to gel a little bit now. Um, and they're kind of seeing where everyone's strengths and everyone's weaknesses are. So I think a lot of it is people looking to fill in the gaps and really try to um, like just help each other out. I, I like seeing, I mean, ideally balance would be nice between uh, the scoring and the passing between both our point guards. But if they can kind of do it in shifts, that's cool too. Whatever's really getting the job done in the last couple of days, it's looked pretty good. Well, let's not forget either. Jeff Hornacek loved that two-guard set when he was in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it didn't even matter a little bit initially once they signed Isaiah Thomas for that weird half of a season because Jeff loves running out two point guards no matter the skill set almost he loved having two guys out there so even now like that's why you'll see Brandon Knight and Eric Bledsoe two kind of different guards but he used to do that with Goran Dragic and Bledsoe and he was successful because when he first got there that's what he was using to be successful so although these guys I think Rose and Jennings aren't exactly on the same tier uh, as Bledsoe and Dragic were at that time in Phoenix, it can still be effective given the fact that we have so many more weapons in Carmelo Anthony and Chris Asporzingis out on the wings ready to just shoot. Yeah, that's kind of what I love about Hornacek is he's he's really willing to go a little unorthodox and he's playing. It's something with the Knicks where they're so stuck in tradition sometimes or they're, you know, we hear that they're not looking to keep up with the pace of the regular NBA team. Uh, you know, things are changing around them, not willing to adapt, but at least with, with someone like Hornacek at the head, I'm pretty optimistic that this team will take some risks, come up with some new strategies, and maybe figure something out that really works. Um, so p- going past them, is anyone else on the team? I know we've seen some some good bench games. Uh, we even saw some starts for Kyle O'Quinn too. I don't know how you feel about that, Kyle. It's just a little scoff there, but uh, you know, is there anyone else that we can really give some credit to for these things? We've had some big games for Porzingis this last week. Yeah, I mean, I know we can. I wanted. I do want to get into Porzingis. I, it's too much to overlook, especially the fact that he broke 30. Uh, he didn't break 30 last year at all, and he broke it twice in a week now. So I do want to get to that. But I know Bailey wanted to talk about uh, Kuz getting a little bit more kind of a, a spotlight on him. So um, I, I think it's important to kind of highlight him and um, Bailey, given the fact that Kyle Quinn, even though he's starting, he's getting a little bit less time I think less opportunity given the fact that those two shows they could play yeah of course and I think with that is and we talked about this a couple times before is just having someone out there who's just even a little bit of a threat and able to do something is what the Knicks have lacked the last couple years and you see these guys like Kuz and Willie and they'll come out and earlier in the season or in the preseason they play three minutes four minutes sometimes spurts and they'd make one nice play two nice play and you're like okay that'll be fun but is that realistic and I even said on um, an earlier podcast when we were talking, or I forget where it was, but I even said, like, yeah, it's fun to argue about these guys now, who we think we should make the team, but are they really going to do anything? And now I'm eating my words, because they are. Yeah. Um, and I think it's not just a rare thing with the Knicks, that's a rare thing in general, that you have these guys who you genuinely had barely any idea about coming in and having legitimate, significant impacts on games. I mean, Hernan Gomez against the Blazers went four for five, Kuz went 
four for six. Like, that's a combined eight for 11 from the field. They added a couple rebounds each, more than a couple rebounds, and some big shots. Like, the fact that Kuz played the entire fourth quarter against the Blazers, that's ridiculous. And it's telling also, because I know a couple of weeks ago with Anthony, I was discussing um, how, I think it was in back-to-back games, we got next to nothing production-wise out of the bench. Um, I think at that point, it was, we couldn't really exceed 20 points from the bench, and that's a terrible mm-hmm. burden to put on top of your starting lineup. So the fact that these guys can come in and give a little bit more of that offensive firepower is kind of exactly what we need right now. Yeah, and I think the bench yeah. gave him 32 points last night. That's a lot of points, and the only guy who didn't shoot well, um, I mean, Endor didn't score, but he played three minutes, um, was Brandon Jennings, and you don't really care if Brandon Jennings goes two for six. If he gets yeah. 11 assists for you. Like that's they're they're playing efficiently and they're playing exactly how they need to to help out. Yeah. That's what's really great about Jennings, especially having him on the second unit too, where he's gonna he's really he doesn't have any selfless intention. Like he's not hunting for the Rondo assist, but he wants to make sure that he's setting things up for everybody. I mean, he, the guy just loves playing for this team and wants to see this team win as much as he can. And him being out there and being so willing with all of these rookies and you know unknown players. And really helping them shine is going to be a huge boost going forward to this team. Yeah, Kuz reminded me a little bit last night. I was hyped last night. I was tweeting about it. I was texting everyone about it. It just it reminded me a little bit of Steve Novak. Like when he yes, came in I've been saying it. and he would come in and just okay. bang the shot and you'd be like, but it's something you got used to. Like we all got used to that. And I'm not saying that Kuz is going to be Steve no- what Steve Novak was for them this year. Um, but I think collectively the bench can be kind of what like those bench guys back then were. Like, when all of a sudden you'd have a guy who wasn't even very talented, like Bill Walker would come in and hit, like, two big threes. And you're like, this oh is great. God. And then he disappeared. What a name. I love um, Bill Walker. I know, me too. So did I. He's buckets. But you'd have these other guys come in, and I just think if you can – like, he was comfortable stepping up and taking a big shot yesterday. And, like, that's just being yeah. comfortable. Even if he – like, he bricked the one earlier, and it went right to Courtney Lee, luckily, and I was joking that it was a pass. But he airballed a three earlier, but the, the confidence – yeah, the confidence is, is kind of half as important at this point. I think that Kuz, honestly, will be a better player for the team than Steve Novak was. If Kuz can keep it t- together, that is, and prove that he can, you know, have a consistent three and that he... But, you know, he could take it inside. He had that beautiful Euro layup last night. Um, and, you know, he can rebound a little bit. He's just got more moves in his arsenal. He might not shoot as well as Novak will overall, but I think he'll be a better contributor to the team. Also, quick side note, Bill Walker is now known as Henry Walker. I don't know if anyone knew that, it's but terrible. in case you're going to go look up some stats later. That's terrible news. He, that he was bad. much better as he had, much better as Bill Walker. Rest in, rest in peace, Bill Walker. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> no, but to the point about Kuz, too, what I like about Billy and Kuz, I think, the most is, I don't know if, I mean, at least for Billy, it came from playing overseas professionally. Maybe kind of the, the same parallels we saw with Chris Epps last year. We were all very surprised at how composed he was. Um, how patient he was. And, and I'm seeing kind of the same thing with Billy. Billy gets the ball, and a lot of young guys kind of rush when they get their opportunities or they, they rush to force something. And he doesn't really do that. He's conf- you know, confident getting the ball down in the post, making a couple of his moves. I mean, we've already seen the impeccable footwork on his end of it too. So I just like that he kind of slows the game down because a lot of rookies are always trying to rush. And him and Kuz just are comfortable coming in, finding their spots, and just playing ball it doesn't look like they're overthinking it and I think that's kind of a a thing that gets overlooked too with young guys is this mindset and composure and it, maybe it plays the IQ but I just I, I like that a lot I think that's a really good sign going forward I agree with that yeah I, I think it's just that European mindset I think it's just growing up a different way than a lot of the uh, people they're going to be playing up against I mean they've been playing against professional guys for a while now not, I'm not comparing talent level necessarily, but guys who are in that mindset still. It still matters. So they're, they're, it's still yeah, they, they've learned. They're poised. I, I think that really does go a long way towards this team's success. So um, I don't know. What are we calling them, though? Is it Los Knicks? Is it Nueva York? Is it, 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 it's Los Knicks. It's got to be Los, Los Knicks. Knicks? Gotta be. It just kind of pisses me off because we never had a Los Knicks jersey. You know, It was always Nueva York every year. So... I don't know. I'll, I mean, I'll take it, but we need a good. And we need something that's going to rival Ooh. Knicks tape. T- I need to finally be able to bury all my Knicks tape stuff. Typically, I don't like the Los anything in the NBA because, like, they half-ass it a lot. Like when there's Los Bulls and the Bulls. No, the NBA half-assing something. Get out of here. <laughs> no, but like the Bulls, the Bulls are Los Bulls, 
And the Spanish word for bulls is toros. Like you couldn't just say los toros. <laughs> like you couldn't just putting los in front of it doesn't really do anything. So at least for the Knicks, like there's no Spanish word for knickerbocker. Yeah, what? Yeah, what's knickerbockers? So so at least that one makes like some kind of sense. So you know, Reed started the los Knicks. He coined it. We'll ride with that one for a little bit. But uh, yeah. All right, I'll, I'll give it to them. So all right, we kind of touched on it already. Two thirty points games for Chris Stops. And uh, we got a we got a game coming up in a couple of months, and it's gonna start getting some steam. The uh, the All Star games coming around. Was it New Orleans again this year? Yeah, because they pulled Charlotte. God, poor Hornets. <laughs> anyway, but uh, yeah, so we got we got um got the All Star game coming up. Is this a year that Chris Ops can finally do it? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think so because first of all, right now his play should get in it. Give him, give, yeah. give him a, a very decent shot of getting it. I mean, yeah, he's got he's got good numbers right now. He's averaging over twenty points a game. Um, he's got about seven rebounds, I think. Yeah, yeah, but, about twenty points a game, seven rebounds, shooting fifty percent. That's up like seven percent from last year. Um, he's almost shooting. He's shooting about forty percent from three two. Those sound like good numbers to well, me. Well, th- that's exactly what I was going to bring up because I saw a little thing on Twitter today saying that the last time. A guy averaged, I think it was over 20 points on 50% shooting, on 40% from three, and at least whatever he's at for free throw percentage, I think it's 78%. Mm-hmm. Um, the last guy to do that, while taking five or more threes a game, was Stephen Curry. Now, Chris S. Porzingis is no Stephen Curry. However, the fact that a parallel like that could be drawn due to efficiency and the volume of, of scoring that he's had with 20-plus and the shots that he's taken, five or more threes a game that bodes well that bodes very well the fact and the other thing too we were talking about how um carmelo had what 17 points last night on 22 shots and chris Stapps had 31 points on 23 shots yeah so i think it's a little bit it's one part guys are looking for him maybe a little bit more and the other part is he's just been wildly efficient I, in the paint, I think he's uh, scoring like 70-something percent of his shots. So pretty much no matter where he's at, he's knocking down his shots. So given a little bit more volume, you're seeing him now eclipse the 20-point mark like it's nothing. That's where he's averaging now. Yeah, and also, yeah. Um, he I mean, he almost, he actually didn't wasn't that too far off of making the All-Star team last year on straight folks. He was sixth in front court All-Star voting last year in the Eastern Conference, and so even if you take all of his play aside and how much better he's been playing, which is a crazy thing to do, but even if you do, he's just popularity-wise and how popular he is in Europe and just he's slowly becoming, like the quickly I should say, becoming the face of this New York team or at least the co-face of this team. And he's, he's going to get voted in. Regardless. It's, like, it's like Yao Ming got voted in every single year regardless of how well he was doing because he drew such mm. a crowd overseas and from these certain groups. And I just think, I think he's going to get votes regardless. Yeah, China's huge though. Like Yao made it because China is just enormous getting in every year. But um, I, I think I definitely agree with that. I think you t- speak into popularity as well. I mean, we just drew a Steph comparison. People are already drawing Steph comparisons. The guy's popular enough. It's it's got to happen, you know, pretty soon. Um, pro- probably this year. I think I'm along the same lines as that too. Well, he's he's, um, he's been so popular though because of it's the eye test matches the metrics. So far, so often there's a divide between us. Like, for example, the Derrick Rose thing is a perfect example. People are wowed by the eye test, and then us that actually look at the metrics, look at the stats, like all of NBA Twitter, they're infuriated because it's like he's still not good. But then you see, like, a couple of crazy layups, and everyone's like, oh, my God, he's back. It's crazy. Oh, my God. <laughs> the return. So, but, but KP's, like, throwing down vicious dunks. Like, he just ended Plumlee's life last night, and he did it efficiently. Sir. So this is like a night-in-night-out thing. So it's... It's tough, and I will tell you this too. I hope he doesn't get in as a starter from the popular vote. And I'm only saying that because I don't want anyone to say, oh, well, it's a popularity contest. The fans voted him in. I'm hoping he doesn't get in that way, but he still gets in through coaches voting. When the coaches have to make up the rest of the bench and they select him, because then it's like, well, then you could suck the whole popularity thing because, you know, the actual NBA guys wanted him in. So you think, you, do you think the coaches would do it, though? You think the coaches are on board? I don't know. I mean, I, <laughs> I hope so. I mean, I think he's got a better shot of, of uh, doing it through the, the popularity of the yeah, NBA vote. But I just let's map it I out hope. real quick. Let, let's all right. 
all-star starting five. Let's consider Kristaps takes one of those forward positions. Now you get, what, like two guards and three forwards or something, or like three big men or whatever they're calling it. I think it's just front court and backcourt they do it, right? Front court, yeah. backcourt, yeah. yeah, that's what they're doing, yeah. So we'll say Kristaps is in. We'll say LeBron is in, for Jim, sure. Jimmy Butler's in. Think Jimmy Butler takes uh, another front court position, or you think he t- he's getting backcourt? Depends where they list him, but I, I, I know. I mean, he's got to be in. All right, let's talk guards then. Who are the top guards in the East? I think I don't know if he'll start, but I think Giannis is an All Star this year. But Ooh, is he a gu- is he a guard? He's a guard. I, I think he'll get in. I think he's going to get in uh, on the coaches vote. Yeah. Uh huh. I think. But that's a good pick. I think Kyrie probably. Would have yeah, to I'm get trying to. I'm trying to figure out if he's coaches or if he's starter though. Kyrie, I think he's going to be starters, but they just won the title too in Cleveland. I think they're going to yeah. come out in Groves too. Um, we got Lowry, DeRozan, Beal's but oh DeRozan, obviously. Uh, DeRozan, yeah. I think yeah. You know what? I think a Toronto guy is going to get in there. Yeah, yeah. I think it's got DeRozan's got to take that two guard spot because even like in Atlanta, Atlanta I think is the three seed right now, and they have Schroeder who. I, I Schroeder's love Schroeder. Schroeder could ball out of his mind, but I don't think he's going to be make the leap for the popularity to get the requisite yeah, I, votes this year. I'm not seeing Bazemore jumping over, um, you know, DeRozan either. Um, who else would we have? Beal's, anyway, Beal's uh, been playing well since he's been back. He had a couple big games. He yeah. he'd be he'd be a perennial All Star. I mean, every year if he just stayed healthy, and if he's actually healthy this year, it's not a stretch at all. No. What about Wall? I think he might be coach's vote because I think the Wizards struggling reflects negatively on him for no apparent reason. So oh, I, wait a second. Someone who's really been lighting it up all now, Kemba Walker. Oh, yeah, Kemba. Ooh, I don't know how that... Yeah, yeah Kemba's good. I think Kemba gets in this year. I think he finally makes it. Has... Wait, um, he's... Oh, no, no he's, he, never, he's never been in all He's never made it. No, no, this will be his first year. Huh. It sounds... Like, that sounds weird saying out loud, yeah. but yeah. But he's he's definitely he's playing better than he's ever played. He's right playing out of his mind, absolutely yeah. out of his mind so far. Um, yeah, maybe I don't know about any Celtics players either. I don't know if and they've been more of a team effort. I don't know if anyone's really getting in from there. No, I think Horford Horford will find a way to get in. Um, I think Isaiah Thomas was an All Star last year, right? But yeah, I don't know if he, he was, was an All Star yeah, last year. Yeah, but I, I think repeating. I think this. Well, I think it's possible, but I think Kemba might be able to edge him out this year. If there was ever a year for poor Kemba to finally get his due, I think this is yeah. I, I it'll be Kemba that. over Isaiah. What about what about uh, Paul George? Oh yeah, 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 Paul George. He's been the only thing for Indiana too. He's been he's been like it. He and Miles Turner. Yeah, Miles Turner's but taking a step this year. Other than sure. that, they're just kind of getting shut down left and right. I think. But yeah, I could I could see Paul George getting in there. I think I'm going to retract my Jimmy Butler's going to start because I forgot about the popularity of Paul George. Um, yeah, I think Jimmy should start. I think Jimmy's playing at an MVP caliber uh, caliber to start this season, but uh, Paul George I think may edge him out. I wouldn't be surprised so either can, way. But so can we say Kyrie Irving, Demar Derozan, um, Paul George, LeBron James, and Chris Stapps Porzingis? I, I mean, I'd like that. That'd be fun. <laughs> I, th- I think that might be it. I'm, I think that might just be it. We'll see what happens with the uh, with who the coaches let in. But I think, yeah, I think we got. I think we might be onto something. And I'm looking now I, at the top focus from last year: and LeBron, Paul George, Melo was ahead of him, Pau hmm. Gasol, Drummond, and then Kristaps. I mean, I think he's gonna oh, obviously Drummond. vault over. I think he'll be over Drummond next year. Yeah, I think so year. too. But I don't. I. Drummond might depends on how Drummond keeps playing, but he he might get in with coaches vote too. Yeah. I but all of this is for not if uh, Swaggy P doesn't get into the game after what he did last night. Absolutely, uh, man, that, he he runs that team now. That's his team. There were so many things wrong with what happened <laughs> before the shot actually got off. Like nothing, nothing made sense. Like. The way OKC got lost on defense, it's kind of scrambling. It, it made I think Russ was like ball watching or people. I don't know what he was doing, but he got stuck. And then Lou Will had like the widest of open shots. It was per- he was perfectly aligned, dead center. That's kind of the shot you want. And then Swaggy don't care. Swaggy don't care. He just came out of nowhere. It was, <laughs> it was both beautiful. It was riveting. It was terrifying. And 
Uh, Just what funny. we expect it from the Lakers. I, I do wish I could have seen the reaction if he missed it. <laughs> I really oh, would have liked yes. to see what he'd people would have said waved. if he missed that shot. He'd be waved. He's gone. Yeah, I think he would be. All right, let's get back to the Knicks. Um, pretty light week coming up. Um, by the way, happy uh, Thanksgiving to everyone coming up because uh, no games tomorrow. I was wondering why Thursday looked pretty open on fantasy. But, uh, yeah, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Anyway, Friday we're playing against the Hornets in Madison Square Garden, and then we got, uh, we're got playing them again on Saturday for home and home, so we'll be down in Charlotte. And then got the Thunder coming up on Monday. Um, yeah, it seems like a relatively... It seems like a week where you might be able to keep something going, this hot streak that we're on right now. Yeah, but if you could just split the Hornets game, maybe get one against OKC while they're kind of floundering around right now, it would shut me up for two, maybe three All weeks right. about the Derrick Rose situation because that's two top-flight guards that you got to face yeah. like consecutively. So you're going to get tired of Kemba Walker after two games, and then you get Russell Westbrook. So if they can somehow just maintain here – Two and one, I mean, that bodes kind of extraordinary as well. For I would take that. I think they're going to do the same, but I think they're dropping the Thunder game. I think uh, I think they can take. I think they have enough steam in them right now to take two games against the Hornets right now. I think they might be able to lock up Kemba, and then you know, it kind of goes from Kemba down. The rest of the team is kind of just like going to play. They're not going to play as well as Kemba. I think they're playing up to his level. So if they can lock him up and like. Uh, really start start killing it with them. I think that they got two games there, but I think they'll be a little out of gas uh, against Russell Westbrook, and they'll kind of, he'll probably take that one single-handedly. That's fair, but, but Kemba just loves playing in the garden. Oh, that's true. He does. That's like, that. that's home. Like, magic happens when Kemba's in the garden. It's just, that, that's the only, the only thing. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if this goes, if we split, if it went the other way. Yeah. He comes in. Scores thirty something points, lights us up, and then we just trash Rose for a while. Then the next night, he's out of gas a little bit at home after the play, whatever. We take that game. I wouldn't be shocked if it goes that way because he loves it here. I don't see them beating the Thunder. I would love it, but like, they just stopped. They somehow just stopped Lillard and McCollum, and I just don't know if they could do it again against. I mean, because I'll take Westbrook over Lillard and McCollum on certain nights himself. Um, I mean, he's, oh, yeah. he's averaging a roundup triple double right now. If you put his nine point five rebounds to a ten, he's got a trip dub. He's playing on a next level. Um, and I think him, like Lillard and McCollum, are such outside threats. I mean, I saw Lillard take some bad shots last night, some bad pull ups when he could have exploited Rose and gone right to the basket. I don't think Westbrook's going to make that mistake, so I'm scared against the Thunder. But I think. So I think I'm going to guess one and two just to play it safe. Um, yeah, but the Thunder are kind of floundering they lately. They've had some ugly losses, and I'm not going to say that maybe they were games they should have won because, for example, the Lakers have been playing pretty good basketball. But they just – I think they started, what, four and one or five and one? Five and one yeah. they, they had a pretty strong, pretty strong start, and then the last couple of games it, it's just not – I don't know. I mean, the last 10, they're 4-6. and six. So if there's ever a time to get Russell Westbrook, I think this would kind of be the time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so, but I don't know. I just uh, – Russ is scary. I guess it's so hard to bet against Russ on any given night, especially against the Knicks and, like, at the Garden. And, yeah, that's just a big stage for him. Russell Westbrook on a big stage really scares me. And he's definitely the type of guy, too, that – that would love to, like, I'm sure, because these players hear stuff, they know. He probably hears, like, oh, Derrick Rose looking athletic, looking like an old self, and I'm sure he wants to absolutely bury that. So I could see him taking personal account on Rose's behalf of that, too. So yeah, we'll see. All right, yeah, so we'll see what happens. I guess, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm standing at 2-1. and one. I don't know how they're going to split it, but I'm, I'm pretty good at 2-1. and one. Um, I, I, I'm going to hop over to 2-1 yeah. and one just because... Like like all of my predictions have been contingent on this whole season. It's if Derrick Rose is not the worst guard in the league, good things happen. And over the last five games, that's kind of where we've been at. He's been passable for most aspects, and it's boded well for the team. So I'm just going to – maybe we're in a little bit of a run right now. I'm just going to ride with the 2-1. and one. Okay. Hey, 2-1's good. I'm a fan of that. If we go 2-1 and one this week, that means we're over 500. 
Well, we're seventh in the East right now. We're game over the Pacers, and the Pacers have been kind of woeful defensively. The Bucks kind of can't figure things out. So, and we're still I mean, we're still this... not getting. I mean, I understand the um, people being a little hesitant to get hot on the Knicks right away, but you know, you look at everyone not Knicks related out there; they're still crushing this team. I mean, I was listening to like Nate Duncan's podcast the other day. Uh, yes, I was listening to uh, the Ringer. Just like everyone is just uh, already completely written off this Knicks team, and I think they're starting to show signs that they might be a little bit too early to do that. I agree, it's too early, but it's also too early for me to commit. I can't commit my heart there yet, so I, I need yeah. to say that I wanted to because I start getting myself upset. <laughs> hey, fair enough. All right, that sounds good to me. Uh, let's. Let's jump back into this week. I want to know who we got. Who's my guy? Hmm. I, I'm just going to take the easy opportunity here. I mean, it's Chris yeah. he's, he's been playing out of his mind. I, I mean, I think we might even all be able to come to agreements here, but he's been playing out of his mind. Obviously, he set that career high last week with 35. You know, did 31 last night without even touching the ball. I think for the last like six minutes of that game. So we're shooting the ball at least. So it's, it's kind of, again, I got slammed for this in the preseason and I know me and Bailey don't see eye to eye on it, but I think KP is their best player called premature and maybe just a little bit, but I think by the end of the year, I don't think we're going to have many questions about it. And I think this team is going to go as he goes this year. And if he's going to have big games like this, it's going to be impossible to beat them if, you know, the rest of the guys are passable. Because that's what we've seen this last week is he took what looks like a small leap this week, and they've been they've been very good. They beat a very good Portland team last night. And, yeah, I, KP's my guy. Yeah, Kyle, I just love it when you affirm my predictions, man. It makes me feel real good about myself. Anyway, <laughs> Bailey, who's your guy this week? Ah. Uh. Just to be controversial, I'm not going to say Mello. Uh, my guy for the week is, I'll go with Brandon Jennings. Oh, fuck you, man. That was mine. <laughs> Thanks for letting me, I knew someone else was going to say it, so I was going to try to jump in first. Um, I mean, two 10-plus assist games, he's just looked dependable off the bench. He's looked like he did in the preseason a little bit. He had 11 assists against the Blazers, 10 against the Hawks, um, two big wins. Because the Hawks aren't a bad team. Um, they're a good team. And then he had seven assists against the Pistons, too, but he only played 17 minutes. And seven assists in 17 minutes is is preposterous. That's great. He's just going out there, and he's ready to facilitate. He took – I forget when it was against the Blazers, like the exact time, but he took one bad shot. And I was like, oh, there's Brandon Jennings. Um, But then he came back and he had a nice dish on the next time down. He's just been dependable, and that's all all I could ask for off the bench. Somewhere still deep in my heart wants him to start playing really well to where he could, like, surpass Rose, but – I know that's not going to happen, but if yeah, he can be dependable, and, and not, he can be the other. He could be the dependable half of Derrick Rose, and like that's okay. Yeah, and that's, that's an I like point. him in his role right now. You know, it's it's the same thing. I've been making a lot of comparisons with this team to hockey teams lately, um, and I'm going to talk to talk a little bit more about that when we get to Hornacek in a minute. But it's like you know, I don't want to pull Brandon Jennings out of his role and put him into the starting lineup. Because then he has to do a whole nother role, and then whatever he was working on beforehand isn't going to be as good. You know, the reason why I was going to go with Brandon Jennings for my guy this week, and I'm still going to go with Brandon Jennings for my guy this week. And I was saying that because he's the catalyst for getting this bench moving. You know, I, I, you know, guys hitting their shots is a very important thing, too. So guys are shooting really well off the bench. But the fact that he does have 10 assists, 11 assists, 7 assists games, and that he's able to, you know... Sh- Get the ball moving and get this bench, which everyone's completely written off and thought was dead, up and moving and getting some big games out of, like, you know, three or four guys who weren't thought to be contributors beforehand. That's huge. That's going to bring – that's a lot of the reason why this team's 500 right now, and if that can keep up, I see a lot of success uh, continuing. And I think real quick for Brandon Jennings and his current play, I think we got to give a big uh, salute to Stan Van Gundy. Because before uh, Jennings went down with that nasty Achilles injury, he was diming it up, just carving up these. I think they, I think he had a couple, or I know he had a one twenty twenty game, and it looked like Stan was getting like the best out of Brandon Jennings, and I think that translated over to where he's at now. Because with the Bucks, he was always looking to get buckets. Yeah. That was it. I mean, he 
we knew he could pass, but predominantly he was relied on as a scorer. And I think once he got to the Pistons, and albeit it was a short stay, but I think there was enough of an impact from Stan Van Gundy to kind of mold him into being sort of a, an elite assist guy. So even in a limited role, we're seeing that now. So, you know, a little tip of the cap to yeah. Stan Van Gundy there. For I think I'll, I can officially say Stan Van Gundy is my favorite coach in the NBA. He's, He's my, my absolute He's favorite coach. And just because just of the fact that he can just get it right down to basics, you know, form a wall. That's all you need. Uh, just, I, I don't know. Guy's got the right attitude for me. He's definitely my favorite coach. I also think and, Jennings is genuinely enjoying playing in New York and being in New York, too. I think he's eating it up. Oh, and yeah. I think it helps so much when you enjoy where you are. Like, I, he just doesn't really give off a I love to live in Milwaukee vibe to me. <laughs> I feel like he's, <laughs> he's enjoying New York a lot, which I feel like it's got to be nice to enjoy where you're playing. Yeah. Um, quick tidbit, too. Uh, if you really want to get some good entertainment today, check out. I, I forget if it's when he was coaching the Magic or if it's uh, with the Pistons, but there's a great video of Van Gundy showing off some dribble moves, and it's incredible. My friend of mine showed me yesterday. He just never thought he'd be able to pull it off. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's, he, he's, he's got it. He's got it. Nice. <laughs> um, so it's a little bit of a uh, new segment I want to hop into here. Uh, we're calling it Sound the Horn, and it's an evaluation of specific things that Hornacek's been doing during his tenure. It's been a little different from other coaches before. Um, and there's one thing that really stood out to me the other day against Atlanta. Um, they didn't have Noah, and they were going up against Dwight Howard, who was shown this season to still be a very you know, productive offensive player, at least. Um, now, Kyle O'Quinn got the start, and he played well at the beginning. He was pretty hot for a second there. Um and then kind of faltered out, and you saw Hornacek going to, um, you saw him going to Hernan Gomez, you saw him going to Plumlee even, and then just kind of rotating through those three guys. It kind of reminds me of what like how a hockey team would work with the line situation, and how you kind of, you know, I've I've never been a fan of basketball players staying on the bench for all that long. I know there's chemistry things, and guys need to get hot out there, but. It's encouraging to me, and especially since we're going to go into Noah in a second there and how he might be a little different than what we expected. But it's encouraging to me to see him sending, um, just really playing all the pieces he has and using guys, like we were saying with the two-guard lineup, in situations that might not entirely be used to. Um, to me, that bodes well for the future for him. Um, is there like anything else that you guys are really seeing at a Hornacek that's been really different from other coaches so far? You mean other coaches in... Well, other coaches in the league, like, other Knicks uh, coaches, uh, just things that he's doing unique, you know? For other Knicks coaches, at least, what I'm seeing is there's more of a... He's more risky in the sense that he's trying to be creative and it's helping the team. And I know, at least since Phil's been here, that's sort of frowned upon. You know, whether Phil wants to speak out against it or not. It's evident in the way the team has been run since he's gotten there. And I think just the fact that, you know, he's experimenting with, like, the two-guard lineups and he's not afraid to use, you know, the slew of young guys that we have, kind of like what you're saying about letting Plumlee play pretty decent minutes. You know, we're seeing that more with Philly and Coos. What I'm seeing is a guy who's kind of going against the grain, at least right now, for the way things have been done over the last couple of years here where it's, you got to stick to a certain script. You got to stick to a certain game plan. Even, you know, if Phil's not coaching, you got to stick to it. So I, I, I do like what I'm seeing. He's actually playing to these guys' strengths, you know, getting up and down the court a little bit more. That's where Brandon Jennings is getting a lot of these assists from, yeah. too. He's running the floor. I mean, he's just little cross-court bounce passes. These are, like, beautiful, quick, easy ways to get points. And he's got the manpower to do it if given the confidence and the freedom to do it. So that's what I like just going against like the past four or five years of Knicks coaching. It looks like he's actually experimenting and it's working and he's creative with it. And I like it. And this is going to sound like a, like a horrible answer maybe, but like, I think he's just the first good coach they've had in a while. Like, it's just so nice. He's just a good <laughs> coach and just to have trust in someone. Also like, he's literally coach. just yeah. a good coach. I mean, like he, I think he, I think the Suns missed, like they went 48 and 34, I think one year and still missed the playoffs because the West was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, that was his first year, I think. Yeah. And I think that same year he was like second, he got second place in coach of the year balloting and stuff. And he then like didn't have the greatest seasons with Phoenix after that, but he didn't also have much talent. 
but I think he's just a good coach, and he was a good player. I think that's cool. I think that shows sometimes. Like, he understood what it was like, and not that Derek Fisher wasn't a good player, um, but Derek Fisher's also just not a basketball coach um, and never proved to be a basketball coach before he was their coach. But I just think he's proven that it's just nice to have. I think it shows in the fans trust him, and he gets less of a hard time when he mixes things up, and I think the players just trust him. I think you can tell it's just a relief sometimes. Like, these guys aren't arguing with him. They're listening to him. They're excited to, like, when he's drawing plays up, they're zoned in. They're listening. And I think you got to have the players buy in. It's not going to work if the players don't buy in. Well, largely he's on their side. Because don't forget, I mean, there's been backlash, whether it's been little subtle shots or not, about this triangle game plan. And even though it always comes down to, like, yes, the big, you know, we don't want to run triangle 100% 100% of the game. It's supposed to be like implementing the triangle at times or for certain situations. But even still, this team, especially Derrick Rose, I know we harp on this kind of thing, but he doesn't have the highest IQ to know where to go and do these things. So having a guy in Hornacek whose strength is coaching point guards and getting them to be productive, that works for Derrick Rose. That works for Brandon Jennings. So, yeah, I mean, that's I absolutely agree. They're buying in, at least right now while things have kind of taken an upswing. But they're buying in because, you know, he's kind of advocated for pushing the ball and doing these things. And he's shown that just in his actions, not even the words that he's said to the media. Yeah, totally. I definitely agree with that. He just seems easygoing. He seems like uh, he's willing to let the plan unfold in front of him. And it seems like guys like, you know, Fisher being under Phil Jackson for you know so long. Uh, Rambus also in the Phil Jackson mold. Like, they were so set to some kind of game plan that they weren't willing to adapt when it finally came time to. That doesn't really seem to be the case with Hornacek. So, overall, yeah, I'm liking this hire. I'm a big fan of Hornacek so far. And I think, I think so Chris Hagen talked about it a bit when he was still covering the Knicks about how it was, it's very clear to him, like, the personal connections that Hornacek was building with guys. Like, he was texting guys, he was calling guys, he was pulling guys in one-on-one. He was, like, building individual relationships with guys. And, like, that's that's all you could ask for from a coach, honestly, on an individual scale. Like, just wa- not just trying to connect, but, like, wanting to connect at the same time. So, yeah. talking about um, how Horn Sex and handle these players, Bailey, you wrote a piece on uh, where Joakim Noah is really going to find his role going forward on this team. It's been shaky so far, but what are your thoughts on that? His role is the bench. Um, <laughs> but it's... It's sad because we're seeing guys like Hernan Gomez come out and play. Like, I think right now he's playing better than Noah can on both ends of the floor. And, like, so what do you do? <laughs> so I think that's the struggle. And I, in my piece, let me just pull it up. Like, in my piece, I talked about how he, like, they, how they just need to find a role for him. Because it would be inappropriate to just not do anything with him when he's now being paid as much money as he is. Um but I think the role's unclear because it's not like they found him in certain situations. He did play well through the beginning, and he's clearly a decent facilitator. But if you look at the second half of that Mavericks game um, when he sat, and that was the first time people really started talking about this, and they brought Justin Holiday in. And obviously Justin Holiday's not going to go six or seven in every game and go off, but he's going to get good looks from the outside the like, three-point line. He's going to get looks from deep. He's going to create better shots for other people. And it's just when that middle's clogged, it's they just don't look good and the spacing is so important with this team because they sometimes have four guys on the court who can shoot threes and when Noah and Porzingis are out there together it just on offense at least I just think it renders Porzingis a bit useless sometimes and that's scary yeah especially because you you really want to rely on there's basically two sides of Joakim Noah at this point for what I'm saying there's the potential of playing him and losing games at the beginning which is really a scary thought to start entertaining mm-hmm. now but, you know, the, the thought of playing him out there, letting Porzingis grow next to him and alongside him and being his mentor, uh, which I think is incredibly valuable. I don't know if it's $72 million val- you know, valuable, <laughs> but I think that maybe he could find a way to be worth his money if he really can prove to show, to like improve Chris Stops' game and he can really show that he can be a mentor. And I think that a bench role might be right for him too. I think maybe coming off the being a five coming off the bench, it's the same thing with the like hockey style uh, substitutions I was talking about before. If you can get a solid like three man unit going of like Noah, uh, Hernan Gomez, and like O'Quinn or Plumley or whoever ends up being the better of the two of them, and like Plumley, <laughs> and I keep substituting uh, them in and out because if Noah can only give you tw- you know. 
20 minutes a game, then why are you going to try to force him through 30? Exactly. Why not try to get tw- the best 20 minutes out of him so that way you can get a consistent amount from him? And I think, and then the other guys well, fill in the gaps, you know? Well, I was going to say, too, don't forget kind of how last year they ran things with Robin Lopez. If you remember, Robin Lopez would start, and then he'd take, like, a gigantic break from, like, the very end of the first quarter or the very beginning of the second half, and he would sometimes not even play, so not half, second quarter. And he sometimes wouldn't even play the second quarter, you know? And then uh, there were some times when the same thing would happen. Like the third quarter, he'd come in, start, take a seat, and then there'd be a, a long period of time where we'd see KP at the five, Melo at the four. So I think if we can minimize Noah that way, let him be as effective as he can be for those like 20 minutes a game, let him start, you know, maybe set the tone, whatever you want to say helps KP, you know, whatever argument you can make for that. Because he's going to come back and start, no matter what we say or speculate. So if you do it like that, and then you make the adjustments as you see fit, kind of like that Mavericks game we saw, you know, that's, I think, kind of the best we could hope for. Because there's nights, like against the Bulls, when they went back to Chicago, when he has it. He's shown a couple games mm-hmm. when he has it. But if he doesn't, you know, a lot of these guys are a little bit older, too. And Melo with Rose and Noah. So you can't be afraid to pull them out if they don't have it. I'm you know, I think that's when they got to swallow their pride a little bit. Right. But. I'm hoping with Hornacek that they, you know, he's enough of a risk taker that they really start playing to their strengths and not just, like, what the established role is for them. Like, yeah, Noah might start and he might, you know, be only good for 20, 25 minutes a night. But play him when you need defense. You know, play him when, you know, play Willie or Billy, rather, when you need some kind of offense in there. Um you know, I, I just want to see, you know, if you need some energy out there, you need some grit, throw O'Quinn in there. Like, you know, or if you need to make everyone happy, throw O'Quinn in there. Um, he kind of smiles a lot. Come on. Um, but, you know, just pl- just playing to strength. Just playing to strength. Okay, I'll, I'll give you why, because Kyle's giving me faces right now. Um, <laughs> I'll give you why I said play to grit, because Kyle O'Quinn is a player who reminds me, and I'm just chock, uh, Rangers are playing hot now, too, because I'm just chock full of hockey references today. Uh, but the Rangers have had a guy on their team, uh, Tanner Glass, for a while. He is not playing this year, but he's playing the last couple of years. Everyone was so mad. They're like, why is Tanner Glass playing? Why is he getting minutes? They're guys who can be developed. And he would show, like, he can at least be out there and show a little bit of grid being an enforcer. And I think if you kind of use Kyle Quinn that same method, like, you know, you don't need to play him, you know, more than six, seven minutes a game if he's going to be out there. But, you know, if you want to kind of, like, intimidate or, like, kind of clown around or something, whatever he's going to do that day. If you're trying to make the other team laughing and distracted or something, just throw a Quinn out there and he'll be, he'll give you something. He'll give you, you know, at least a little, little, little energy, a little momentum will swing at least a little bit. Yeah, and I will. That's, that, I mean, he gives you something. I don't know if it's good or bad, but he gives well, you something. Well, that's, that's the risk. Sure. It was the same thing with Tanner Glass, too. And you kind of, uh, I don't know, you kind of play it back and forth. It's the momentum will swing one way or another. You put him out there when you're feeling a little stagnant and something will probably shift. And I will say back to Noah, like, it's, it is scary, and it's something you don't want to do, and I hope that not this year is the time when we're like, you know what, whatever, we paid the guy. We made a mistake. It's okay. We won't play him anymore. Um, but what I don't want to see, and the scariest thing, is like I don't want to see Hernan Gomez and other guys get less of a chance out there and less of a chance to develop and get real game time when they could be getting valuable game time because they're forcing him out on the court. And that's what's scary. That and like against the Hawks, like if there was a time that they're like, this is why we got Joe Kim Noah, this would be the time to use him would be against the Hawks. Two good big men in Millsap and Howard. And then they just, like, they didn't have him, and he didn't miss him. So, like, that's the thing that scares me a little bit. And I just hope forcing him into a game doesn't hurt other people's development. Because I could see that happening. I mean, I, I know it's a small sample size, yeah. too. And this is a guy who, who really didn't get a chance to play the last year, you know, because of, of injury. And I don't want to... If there was a guy that I believe in to kind of figure it out and, like, hit his stride again. I I believe in Noah a little bit more than I would for Rose. Because Rose, although the injuries were troublesome, you know, there were still questions about his IQ because largely he just relied on athleticism to to do a bulk of what he did. But Noah, although obviously an athlete, you're in the NBA, he didn't seem to be the most, like, physically gifted guy, even the, the most coordinated guy. So he kind of made the most out of the player that, I mean, he established himself to be. And to, I, I don't know. I, I think if he's in good enough shape, I know he's 31, but I think if he's in good enough shape, you know, like 
you know, they were telling us he is. I think maybe there's a chance he figures it out. So, so he's at least passable. I believe in, I put more stock in that than, you know, Rose finding himself again. I do hope I so. I'm certainly not rooting against him. I really do hope it happens. I'm just, he's yeah, easy to he root is. for. He's so I'm just easy becoming to root a bit for. more cynical every game that they look good without him. Um, and like when Hornacek's most credited move as Nick's coach so far is pulling him from a game. Like that's the part that hurts. But I hope, and it just, I hope he does well. It's just when, and it's hard to believe in a guy too that you're getting barely anything from on offense too. Um, like four points a game is like is hard to look at. Um, but I think he'll be able to figure out some sort of role. I think Hornacek's a good enough coach to find a role for him. So that's my my trust is kind of more in Hornacek than Noah on this. But I think he'll find him find a way to make him valuable. I mean, Noah's thing was never... Yeah, he scored more with the Bulls, I guess, in his prime, but his thing, too, was the way he would set guys up. There was a lot of pretty little passes that he'd throw in the post, and obviously he was, like, a fantastic defender and a really good guy on the boards. And We need to see that kind of stuff. Like if, if it starts adding up again with the numbers and we see, like, his impact on the court, and, you know, maybe then we can start to believe in him, but it's like on offense he's getting froze out there's no he he doesn't really outside of the first week i think he hasn't really thrown many passes and he he was out leading an assist for a couple of games and then after that it kind of tanked and i I don't know i just feel like it's just all maybe it's consistency you know because he can't stay on the court for any period of time he's shown you know maybe he especially with so much to prove and like coming off of such a down year uh injury wise and otherwise he he just needs to get out there for a period of time and really work through things. You know, it's going to take NBA game time to really get through that, and he's just not hasn't really been able to stay on the court yet. Of course, and I I think so. Where would you guys peg? I was going to say, where would you guys peg like when you'd actually start being concerned when you break the glass on? You know, this guy is just not the same guy anymore. Now we we can. I'll make give him till the All Star break. Like how many games? I'll give him till the All Star break. I am going to okay. uh, rope him into my bigger prediction of thirty games. Four, 14 games in, I'm not super optimistic yet because we're about halfway through where I think they should be. Um, but we'll see how he is with the rest of the team and how well he's playing collectively with everybody. Because really, I don't really care all that much how well Joakim Noah plays on his own if the team is playing well with him within his role. Yeah, I just want him – like all I'm asking for is good – like him looking good on defense and them looking like a better defensive team when he's out there. Because you can rationalize a guy – doing nothing on offense if he's a solid solid defender like Biz, like guys like Bismack Biambu guys like Absolutely. um other guys like that at the time like as long as you have someone out there it's altering shots on defense making guys nervous on when the other team's on offense that's all that's all you need from him no one was like Noah's going to come in and cool. score 15 points a game so well even Tristan Thompson right now kind of reminds me of Noah three years ago mm-hmm. Tristan I mean I think he's a better rebounder than Noah ever was but he's gobbling up uh, every rebound on top of that, he's altering like every shot. He's turned into a really stout defender. And on offense, like he can't shoot, period. He's going to throw down some easy dunks. If he's right around the basket, he could finish a little bit. Uh, probably better than Noah, for sure. But that's sort of the guy, like, right now, I think that's kind of taking his place as yeah. like, the elite, non offensive contributor who can stay on the floor. DeAndre times. Jordan, too. Yep. Um, that's but, fun. yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it's. No, his star is starting to fade, but if he can find a role, I don't really care how much money he's eating up. It'll make things harder down the line, but I don't, you know, it's just do something for us and prove. Just be a positive yeah, on the be, court. Be a positive be a on the positive. court. Really, you know, improve Porzingis and Hernan Gomez's developments, and you're good. And it's also easier to look at the money when you realize, like, people aren't really knocking on the door of the Knicks to, to come play in New York right now. Like, it's not like yeah. they took Noah over Hassan Whiteside or something, someone who's playing great. Like, no one wanted to come here. They got Noah. It happens. They spent too much money. Hopefully he plays pretty well. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, just because uh, that little tiff we got into there, Kyle, we're doing a Kyle on Kyle right now. I want to know your exact thoughts straight from the head of Kyle O'Quinn's first two starts. I feel like both games started the exact same way. I feel like both games started where like he did a nice thing or like we we're like, oh, this is okay right now. This isn't this isn't terrible because I, I looked uh, this morning a little bit at the game I recorded it last night, and uh, it it always starts out 
like, I don't know if there's a game plan or the strategy for something for him to do, but he always starts out like according to plan. And then he just seems like totally disinterested in executing said plan. Like halfway through it, he's just like, ah, fuck it. And then he throws up some weird <laughs> shot, gets his own rebound, blow, then has a better shot, like at an angle for a layup, blows a bunny, can't get back in transition, allows two points. You know, it's, I don't want to. I think the first week he was probably playing much worse than he's been playing recently. I think that's that's absolutely fair. But he's still not been good. Like he's only passable at best being on the court, and it seems like everything that he contributes, he finds one way to give back. Yeah. If it's a blown defensive assignment, if it's a missed board, a missed layup, you know, a, a stupid foul because there are just a plethora of them. It's it's little things like that. Like every every positive he contributes, and by positive I mean hitting a mid range jump shot because that's it. The line the buck stops after that. There's not really any. Yeah, he's got he's got and the ability to rebound. He shows that sometimes too. Sometimes, but it, that's what I mean. Yeah, like, I know. He he deviates too much. I I don't know if it's a it's a mental thing or a work ethic thing. The guy just like the thing is he'll come, it's maddening. He'll come in and he'll give you like. At the first five minutes he's in, he gets, like, two mid-range jump shots, gets five rebounds, alters a shot, and you're just like, this is not bad. This is a guy that we... It's, this, it's from the very first time we did this segment, I said the same thing. It's infuriating because he does things that makes you believe in him, that he's an NBA player, and then he immediately, immediately just, like, squanders it. He just squanders your trust. So <laughs> I, my, I don't hate Kyle because Kyle sucks as much as I hate Kyle because... Somehow, even if it's a fleeting thought, he gets me to believe in him for like half of a second and then immediately loses my trust. And I think that's that's where it comes from. That's where it's rooted. So can you, uh, if I read you a couple of his uh, cryptic tweets, you think you could translate them? I, I think Trey has, has this down pretty wonderfully so far. Well, I need to hear it from the mind of the Kyle. Yeah, you can give okay. it a shot. Um, TGBTG. With three exclamation points at the end. TGBTG. Yeah. Oh god! I think it's thank God. Uh, I want to throw bitches in there. Like, <laughs> thank God, bitches, and then find thank something. Thank God, bitches, too good. Because I, because I. <laughs> maybe maybe like a third person reference like thank god bitch is too good you know it's like a snarky Which reference is... to listening to the podcast and then going out and hitting a couple of <laughs> that's like him referring to himself uh at the beginning of these last in years a sassy though. third person yeah. way. i'm not yeah. convinced it's not thank god bailey's that guy might be. Oh. oh might be i'm not that's convinced it's otherwise yet all right let's see if i can get another decent one in here um <laughs> All right, so he just pointed. He has two emojis in this one. It's an arrow pointing up and then an arrow pointing down. That's it. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. <laughs> <laughs> the next record. Oh uh, yeah, it's on November seventeenth. So was that right after the? Uh, it was Thursday. Oh, that was after the Wizards game, I think. Like maybe because we thought that was going to be a fairly easy third game for them to win in a row. Because the Sixers uh, had just come into Washington and beat the Wizards, so maybe it was some sort of roller coaster reference of like, well, we had these high highs and then these low lows. Um, okay, so the last sure. last one here, it's the newest one. It's the most recent tweet from 15 hours ago. Bkob. Bkob. Yeah. Broke Kyle off bankruptcy. Bring Kyle off bench. Oh, bring Kyle. I, I'd be behind. <laughs> bring Kyle off bench. Um, bury Kyle on bench. <laughs> um, and okay, so just one, one more for good time's sake. F G O T T. F G O T T. Hmm. Uh, this this one's 
this is like a room. Every time I see GOT, I just think Game of Thrones, and then I'm lost. I have nothing else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know about that. Um, field goal off the, off the tape, off the, top. out of, off the off the top. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'll take that. That's a good enough. That's good enough for now. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks for keeping us entertained. Both Kyles. <laughs> um, well, I think that's really that's gonna be about it for today. Um. So we want to send a big thanks out to Bailey for coming on today. Always a pleasure. Of course. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then just make sure you're following us on Twitter at the Knicks Wall, and uh, like us on Facebook too. We uh, mostly stick to posting articles up there, but you know, we're all there too. You can uh, come say hi. Uh, a couple of pieces coming out this week on the site. Uh, James has had a great piece about kind of what we were talking about before. Uh, Chris Ops and Noah and how their uh, mentor, how Noah's mentorship may impact Chris Ops in the future. Compare them to a couple of other legends who have been in the same spot. So, uh, yeah, good piece from James up on the site. Uh, taking a look at some of the D-leaguers this week, too. We got some looks at, uh, at Randall, what he's been up to, a couple of other guys, too. Uh, Clee Anthony's still hanging around down there. I know we all loved Clee Anthony early for, you know, before he got shot. Um... <laughs> I got a. He's been so. It's been hard. I really liked him before that too. He just can't get back since then. I didn't. Well, I didn't like him less after he got shot. He got. Well, shot. I liked him more when he was on the. Co- I know that's kind of mean to say, but I liked him more when he was on the court for us. You know, he had it. I think it's unfortunate. I think we all enjoy people more when they Look, get I, I didn't shoot Clay Anthony early. I just want to put that out there. There goes our shot of ever getting him on the show. Yeah, right? <laughs> I love Clay uh, Sorry, bud. Uh, he's probably listening, too. Shit. Um, yeah, and then previews and recaps every week. I'm going to I'm gonna shut up now before I talk about any other players getting shot. Um, yeah. Have a good night, everybody. Enjoy the outro music. I'm <laughs> sorry.